Come on, anybody excited to be at church this morning? I'm excited. Uh, if you're, if it's your first or maybe second time here, uh, my name is Noah and my wife and I, we serve as the lead pastors here at Way Church. And we are in the middle of a series right now called Only God. And basically the whole point of this series is we believe as followers of Jesus, we are called to live lives that only God can get the credit for. That when people look at our lives, when they see what happens through our lives, in our lives, that we don't want them to go, wow, that person is amazing. We want them to go, wow, God is amazing. That's the point of this series. And so we looked at only God for me in week one. Week two was only God for my family. Week three was only God for my city. And today we are looking at only God for my money. I think it was Biggie who said, mo money, mo problems. But I think the Bible says, mo money, mo harvest. That's the last Biggie reference I will do today. All right. Hey, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture on generosity. Really, really pumped. We're actually going to spend today kind of breaking down six verses, verse by verse, uh, because we are having a special offering today where we're praying that $100,000 is going to come in uh, through an offering at a church with uh, 10 weeks of history as a church, which is something that only God could get the credit for. And as we were praying uh, how to conclude this series, um, I told my wife, I was like, I think that we should pray that $50,000 comes in that we can use for, for more ministry. I'm going to talk to you in just a second about how we're going to use the money. But I said, I think we should do 50000 and my wife was like, I think we should pray for 100000 And I was like, well, babe, that's, you know, a lot of money. And, uh, and she was like, well, I think we should pray for something that only God could get the credit for. And so we're believing that $100,000 is going to come in um, between our two services, which would be absolutely wild. And uh, as we talk about uh, this portion of scripture today, we'll share what we're going to use that money for. And we're just so excited. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 6, this is what it says. Are you ready? Say ready. ready. Come on. If you're ready, say ready. All right, we got to wake up. Second service, you got extra sleep. There's caffeine out there. Uh, I've had too much coffee. So if you don't wake up, I'm just going to be super, super loud. And um, someone should take the coffee away from me. Okay, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be a generous, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Only God for my money. Let's pray. God, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us through your word. We love you. We're so, so grateful for what you're doing in our lives, in our city, in our families. Uh, God, we pray that whatever happens today, you would get every ounce of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Um, Hey, so something I've realized is that uh, before you're a parent, you have ideas on how you're going to parent. 
And then this crazy thing happens. You become a parent. And everything changes. Okay, I, I remember before we had kids, we would like go out to eat on a date night. And if we saw little kids at the table with an iPad, oh man, we were judging so hard. Like, like there has never been more judgment in my mind than when I would see a little two-year-old with an iPad at Outback Steakhouse. But now that I have two kids under two, we charge the iPad two hours before we go on date night. I'm just to be real with you. Like, like judge me, all right? Th things have just changed. Uh, I remember before we had kids, I told Maddie, I was like, Maddie, I'm not going to be that dad. She's like, what kind of dad are you talking about? I'm like, I'm not going to be the dad who goes super hard at the sports games. Like, I'm not going to be the dad who's, who's like trying to coach every single team and is yelling at the referees. I'm not going to be that dad. But now I have a two-year-old son. I just want you to know I've picked out the car that he's going to buy me when he signs with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I have it ready. It's, I'm ready for it. Uh, Last Christmas, I bought my son, my wife and I, we bought our son um, a little basketball goal. You know, his first basketball goal, and uh, we're so excited. We get it out, and I put it up for him, and I pump up the little three plastic basketballs, and we just had the best time. Uh, for, for about 10 minutes, we're playing with the basketball goal. You know, he's trying to, like, he could barely get it over his head, but he's trying to put it in, in the hoop, and I'm throwing in the ball, and I'm dribbling around in the living room, and our dog's running around. It's just the best time. But about 10 minutes in to us playing with this basketball goal, he stops playing, and he starts gathering up all the basketballs and trying to hold all of them at once. I'm like, Lion, you got to you pass the ball, you know, you're going to be a passer. If you're anything like your dad, you're going to be a passer, okay? You're not going to shoot a lot. You're just going to pass. Uh, and so I'm like, you got to pass the ball. And uh, he keeps, he kept saying this word. He kept saying, mine. Now, at this point, my son is like barely over a year old. He knew two words. It was mama and dada. And all of a sudden, the third word made a debut, and it was the word mine. Have you ever noticed that kids learn the word mine at a really young age? Uh, it's almost like kids have this, we're kind of born a little selfish. You know, mine, 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 mine. Uh, but I don't think our selfishness is really something that, that goes away as we get older. I think it's something we have to fight. Uh, if you don't believe me, um, what do you do when you have a group photo taken? Who do you look at first? You know what I mean? It's like, like the photo gets taken and the person who takes the photo is like, what do you think? And uh, I'm sure what you do is you look at everyone else in the photo and make sure they look really great. No, that's not what you do. You look for you and everyone else could have the greatest photo ever. Like it could be their glow up photo, but you don't like the way you look and what do you do? You're like, photo's trash, <laughs> gotta redo it, need a new one. You know what I mean? Like, like we all have a little bit of mine in us. We all have a little bit of mind in us. Um, I want to make a statement that I'm going to unpack today through 2 Corinthians and through some other scriptures. And it's this statement that um, we actually serve a God who has in one area a little bit of mind in him. Just in one area. God is not selfish. In fact, he's the most selfless being uh, in the universe. But there's one area that he actually is a little selfish. And it's the area of your heart. He does not want to share your heart with anyone or anything else. God is not selfish for things. He's not selfish for toys or basketballs, but God is selfish with your heart. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, verse five says, you shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. 
That word jealous in Greek is the word kanon, which simply means unwilling to share with anyone or anything. God is unwilling to share your heart with anyone or anything. But God also knows that the thing that people most often are tempted to share their heart with, along with God, is money. Money is the thing that fights for people's heart more than any other thing. This is why Jesus talks so much about money in the New Testament. Jesus said things like, no man can serve two masters. He said things like, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Did you know that in scripture, Jesus teaches 39 parables, and out of 39 of them, 16 of them are about money, more than any other subject by more than three times. Jesus, uh, throughout the Bible, he's teaching on money, he's talking about money, he's convicting people on money, but it's not just through the words of Jesus. There are 500 scriptures in the Bible on prayer, 500 scriptures in the Bible on fasting, 500 scriptures in the Bible on obedience. There are 2,000 scriptures in the Bible on money. Jesus talked about money a lot. Now, a couple misconceptions. Uh, Jesus was not talking about money a lot because he wanted people's money. That was, that was not why he talked about money a lot. Uh, in fact, often when Jesus would get money, it was immediately given away. So Jesus would get money, and uh, the, Jesus and the 12 disciples, they would immediately spend it to feed the poor. They would immediately spend it to further the ministry. And so Jesus was not talking about money because he wanted people's money. This is how I put it. Jesus does not want the money out of your pocket. Jesus wants the idols out of our hearts. This is why he talked about money. God is not after your money today. He's after you. But he doesn't have you until he also has your money. This is just what we see over and over in scripture. God is jealous for your heart. And I just think how pleasing it must be to the Lord when he finds people who say things like, money is not my provider, God is. Money is not the source of my joy, God is. Money is not what I'm pursuing, God is. Money does not sit on the throne of my heart, only God does. Only God. This is what Tim Keller said. Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors, pastors, theologians, he said, there can be very little spiritual growth in someone's life until their attitude and relationship with money begins to align with God's plan for money. It is just too big of an issue for Jesus in the New Testament. If a person goes, I want to fully surrender my life to God, but please don't talk to me about my money. Well, that is just not possible. At Way Church, Uh, we are a church that will unashamedly talk about money because if I was talking about prayer or if I was talking about consecration or if I was talking about holiness or, or any other subject that is in the Bible that Jesus talked about, I wouldn't feel bad about it because it's helpful and edifying to us as followers of Jesus. And so if Jesus spent time talking about money, we also are gonna spend time talking about money because what we believe is that it is an unbelievably great indicator of our spiritual health as Christians, how we spend our money. If you wanna know how your spiritual health is going, just look at where you spend your money. It can tell us so much about what we value and what we worship. Another uh, theologian that I really look up to, a man named John Piper. Anybody ever heard of John Piper? Uh, He says this. He says, your wallet will call you a liar before anything else will. I just think that's good. I'm just going to let that go and keep on going. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to break this down. This is a text written by a man named Paul. 
And Paul is writing this letter. That's what 2 Corinthians is. It's a letter to a church called Corinth. And he's updating them on the ministry that he's doing and uh, just kind of encouraging them and their faith. But when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul is actually making an offering appeal. That's what we read today. This is the most famous offering appeal uh, maybe ever done. And so I was trying to think through writing an offering appeal for our only God offering, and I just thought it would be way better and way easier to plagiarize Paul's. So we're just gonna look at what Paul said because I think it's way better than what I could write. Um, so here we go, verse by verse. The first thing that Paul says is if you sow a little, you will reap a little. But if you sow a lot, you will reap a lot. The first thing I want us to observe, just right there, if you sow a little, you'll reap a little. If you sow a lot, you'll reap a lot, is that Paul is appealing not to anybody but the people who are giving. He starts by saying, not that the church needs it or that Paul needs it. He starts by saying, this is good for you to give. I think a lot of times the temptation to think about giving is, is to go, man, uh, giving is, is me getting rid of something. But Paul wanted us to see, I'm not asking you for something. I'm asking you to be a part of something where you're actually going to get something. You're actually going to get to reap a harvest. Last week, we talked about the harvest of Nashville, Tennessee. That's why we planted Way Church, is to come here and to see people who are far from God come to know God, to see entire families worship Jesus together. This is, this is our mission here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's the harvest of Nashville, Tennessee. But the Bible actually tells us that we will see a harvest in our own lives when we are obedient through our giving. And so today when we give, Paul wants us to know first and foremost, this is a blessing to your life individually. Yes, this is gonna make a big impact on the church. Yes, this is gonna make a big impact on other people that we're gonna talk about in just a second. But first and foremost, I'm not asking for something from you. I'm also asking for something for you. I want something for you. So today, uh, the question is, maybe this is your first time at church and it's a little uncomfortable to be here for an offering Sunday. Uh, and maybe you're asking, um, are you trying to get my money, Noah? Is Way Church trying to get your money? The answer is no. We have never needed your money. Now, maybe you have been here since May or June when we were doing something called Church Before Church. Any Church Before Church people in the room? Come on. Um, we were just doing these little gatherings and, and uh, people started tithing and giving so that we could have what we have now on Sunday mornings. And so maybe you're, you're a part of that and you said, well, uh, you know, Noah, you needed my money to build this church. Um, you needed my money to start this church. And I just want to be really frank with you this morning. We, we didn't need your money um, because God built this church. We didn't build this church. God built this church. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, yeah, well, you, he, he used my money. <laughs> but the truth is that he didn't do that either. He used his money. He used his money. I wonder sometimes how funny God must think it is when we use phrases like my money. I imagine that God feels a lot like I feel when my son is standing in the living room holding the basketballs that I bought for him, standing in front of the basketball goal that I set up for him, saying, mine. You know, just like, dude, relax. Like, I just feel like God is like, man, you're taking yourself so seriously, bro. Like, 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 isn't it crazy how sometimes, though, we think like that? We're like, man, yeah, God needs me to do this. God doesn't need your money. 
We've said this over and over and over again. Um, the only people that we ever asked for money was in our fundraising phase where we asked churches and, and select business people to invest into our church plant. And even then we were like, it, it wasn't like begging for money. We just shared the vision and we were like, if God puts this on your heart, we're just going to believe that you're going to give because we wanted God to get the credit for this church from the beginning, not us or fundraising tactics or any of those things. We, we wanted to be able to say it was God who built his church. And what we actually believe here is that God is going to build his church today, whether or whether or not you decide to give because it is all God's. It's all God's money. Uh, God did not create giving for himself. Right? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on the side of a thousand hills, which is just a really Bible way to say that God is loaded. <laughs> he owns the cattle on the side of a thousand hills. God doesn't need your money. He created money. He created resource. So giving is actually for us, not for God. When we give, there's something that happens in our soul. When we give, not only is there this obedience blessing that happens when we give that the Bible talks about, but there's this thing that happens where our soul is reminded that it's no longer mine, mine, mine. It's his, his, his. It's no longer about building the kingdom of me, me, me. It's actually about building the kingdom of God. And things like pride begin to be replaced with humility. And, and things like selfishness get to be replaced with generosity. And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, with every dollar that we give and every opportunity that we have to be generous, we begin to be molded in the image of Jesus. And the thing that was fighting to be, to be a part of our heart is no longer on the throne of our heart because God alone is. This is the beauty of generosity that Paul is talking about. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share with you this morning, first service, I, I almost said there, I knew a farmer, but that, I didn't mean to say that. I made up this farmer in my head. Um, this is a parable of Noah. It's not in the Bible. Um, but I, I, there, there was a farmer, all right? He was a great farmer, and uh, he had 100 seeds in his pocket. And he goes out to his garden, and he looks around and he decides, I'm going to plant five of these seeds in this garden. And the reason he planted five in not all 100 is because he'd been watching the news and uh, the news said it wasn't a great time to plant uh, those seeds. You know, it wasn't a great time. And he also had some friends who some of them had, had planted seeds before and, and the seeds didn't do what they were thinking it was going to do. And so he was a little nervous. And then he looked at the soil and he was like, ah, I'm not really sure if this soil is the best place for these seeds. And so he, he planted five of them. And uh, he comes back out to his garden three months later, walks outside, and he's astounded because he sees five of the most beautiful plants that he has ever seen in his life. These plants are green and luscious. That's a five-point word. Green and luscious, and they got fruit that looks like it belongs in Sprouts grocery store. That's way too expensive. He's like, I'm going to make money off of this fruit. This is amazing. Look at all of this beautiful, beautiful fruit. And in that moment, he's standing in his garden, and he's overwhelmed with one feeling. One feeling, and the feeling was regret. Because he realized he had 95 more seeds in his pocket. He had a pocket full of seeds, not a pocket full of sunshine. I've been thinking about that. I was just reading 2 Corinthians 9 this week, and I was just thinking about that farmer that I don't really know. I was convicted, man, I don't want to be known for the harvest that could have been. 
I don't want to get to heaven one day and, and look back on the fruit that came out of my life and realize that I was always just kind of tipping my money to the Lord. I was faithful with my time. I was faithful with my talent, but my money, I just was, was always holding with a clenched fist. And, and the money that I did so, I, I got to see a harvest, but man, I don't want to get to heaven and realize that my money that was in my savings account didn't translate to the heaven account. But the harvest did. But like, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm like pretty tight with money. Like, uh, we'll we'll do a church business uh, meeting in August every year, and I uh, would love for you to come to that. You're, you're gonna be you're gonna be really blown away by um, I, I believe through our board and and through the leadership here of how we spend every dollar. We track every dollar. We keep we we have goals for every dollar. Like, I really truly believe that when you come to that meeting, you're gonna want to give more to Way Church, not less, because of that. Uh, but with our personal finances, I'm really tight. Like my my wife, it was like a thing the first couple years of our marriage. She's like, bro, you got to relax with these spreadsheets, dude. Like this is giving me nausea. Um, I'm really tight with money. And so uh, this has been something that God has had, had to really, really convict me of and, and teach me on because uh, I, I'm always saving and I'm always, I got these financial goals and all these things. And, and so I, I think like, like there, that's okay to have those things. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that a wise man actually leaves an inheritance to his kids. But I also want to say, uh, don't leave too much of an inheritance to your kids. You know what I mean? Like we know how that goes because of reality TV. Like, like, like you want to leave an inheritance, but like at the same time, you don't get to take your money with you when you go. And I've just been thinking, man, my life is so short. We talk about legacies all the time. One of my favorite definitions of legacy is not what you leave behind, but it's who you leave behind. But, but I think about, man, could our lives actually have a legacy through our dollars? And I actually believe they could. Look at what Paul says. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul continues the offering by reminding the people that God is the supplier, that, that he's actually the one who brings the increase. Uh, he's actually the one who enlarges what we have. But look what it says next. It says, so that you can be generous on every occasion. That, that's, that's the key. God blesses us so that we can bless others. The blessing that God gives us, whether it's financial or a million different other blessings that we could receive from the Lord, it's never just for us. It's always for other people. And so the raise is actually so that you can bless other people more. The favor in your company is actually so you can be a blessing to other people. The, the relationships that God gives you and, and, and the, the blessings of relationship that God give, gives you, it's not just for you, it's actually for other people. Reminds me of a time I went to Israel a couple years ago and I got to swim in the Dead Sea. And I'm floating around in the Dead Sea, it was the craziest thing. Um, they, let, they handed us like those pool floats uh, that, that you like lay on, you got like a drink right here. Uh, but, but they do it to show you that you don't need the pool float. 
Because the Dead Sea, have you ever been there? Like you can just float like on top of the water. It's the craziest experience. And so uh, I was going to say picture this, but don't picture this. Uh, I'm floating in the Dead Sea on my back next to a Jewish man named Yoav, who is our tour guide. And I'm just floating next to Yoav. And I'm like, hey, Yoav. And he's like, hey. I said, why do they call it the Dead Sea? Never thought about this. And he said, oh, it's because it's, it's the only body of water that receives from multiple bodies of water, but doesn't give out any water to anywhere else. And man, that just struck me so deeply in that moment and still to this day, because I really think the fastest way to become a dead Christian is to be somebody who is always receiving, but never pouring out. Always taking, but never giving always being the beneficiary of a blessing, but never blessing others. And so at Way Church, what, what our prayer is, is that from the beginning, we're a church that's about other people. From the beginning, we realize we don't own the harvest, we get to steward the harvest. From the beginning, our prayer to the Lord is, God, if you get it to me, you can get it through me. God, I wanna be a blessing to other people because you have blessed me so much. You've blessed me so much. This is what Paul's talking about. So that you can be a blessing to other people. And then in verse 11, this is probably my favorite part. He says, through your generosity, it will result in the thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. This is what we believe today. We're gonna take up an offering. We're praying for $100,000. And we're gonna believe that this is gonna result in thanksgiving to God in your life and in other people's lives. When we give today, we're gonna to be thankful to the Lord for all he's done for us. We're, we're, we're giving with a cheerful heart, knowing that it's better to give than it is to receive. We're, we're giving under no compulsion. We're, we're literally, if you don't wanna give, you do not have to give a dime. Like I'm not gonna um, stand up here and, and try to convince you to give, seriously. And, and no, no shame or hard feelings if you don't wanna give. In fact, I'm so glad you're here and we have something else we want you to do if you're not gonna give. But if you are going to give, I just really believe that it's going to cause you to thank God in a really meaningful and special way because of the blessing that God's going to do in your soul and in your heart, whether he ever brings that money back into your life or not. But what we're believing as well is that your generosity today is going to lead to thanksgiving and people who have never thanked God before because they've never known God before. We're believing that through your generosity today, there are going to be people who accept Christ for the very first time through your giving. Just a couple things that have happened in the 10 weeks that we've been at church. We have fed 11,000 people in 10 weeks through Food for the Soul. It's amazing. We've had 13 people be baptized at Way Church. Come on. This is my favorite one, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little partial. We've had 81 people give their life to Jesus for the very first time in 10 weeks. Come on, it's amazing. But this is what we believe. We believe that God is just getting started here in our church, and we also believe God is just getting started in Nashville, and we also believe that God is just getting started in America and around the world. And so today, this offering is not just for Way Church, it's, it's not just for our ministry, but we're actually gonna be taking this offering and spreading it and multiplying it and giving it to people who are not a part of our church. And so these are the three things that the money's gonna go towards today. Number one, there is a couple named, uh, named Dave and Saz Thomas. And you're going to meet them in just a second. Uh, we have a video from them. They do not know that we're taking up an offering for their church plant today. 
These are, it's a couple from England that moved to Charleston, South Carolina. You're going to love their accents. Um, they moved there just a few months ago because they believe God put a church plant um, on, on their heart uh, for Charleston, South Carolina. They're amazing people. My wife and I have had the privilege and the honor of, of helping coach them the last couple of months on some of the things that we did the wrong way leading up to the launch of Way Church. And um, it's just been amazing getting to know them. We really, really believe God wants to do something that only he can get the credit for in Charleston, South Carolina through their family. And so they moved to Charleston with four kids under 12 to start this church from England, all right? It was a lot for us to move from Atlanta to Nashville. I cannot imagine crossing the pond. And so um, we're going to give money to them. Not this coming Sunday or, or seven days from now, but 14 days from now, when, when you come to church, a part of our service that day is we're going to FaceTime them in service and surprise them. They think that today we're just praying for their church. I called them this week. I said, hey, we just want to pray for your church today. And they were so thankful. They were so excited. I said, can you just film a little video introducing yourself to our church so they can see your face as we pray for you? We are going to pray for them in just a second, but we're also going to take up an offering for them. And we're going to surprise them because there's a harvest in Charleston. Second thing we're going to do is there are people who are literally in this room right now that um, we've become aware of. They have a big need. It's a real need. And we didn't tell them we were going to do this, but we're going to meet their need as a church. And we're going to keep it anonymous until two weeks from now when we share the story of um, their story and what we're doing with this money. And so I'm not trying to be sketchy. I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, be obedient to the Holy Spirit to, to these people because two weeks from now when we surprise them by meeting this need, um, we want them to know it was only God who saw them, that, that it was God who, who met this need. And so it wasn't people in the, in the room being like, yeah, I, I know them and I want to give. It was strangers. It was people who've never met them. And we're going to meet their need during a really crazy time of the year. That's the second thing we're going to do. And then the third thing we're going to do is um, we're kind of out of space. Uh, last week, we had 400 people at Way Church, which is just insane. Uh, yeah, praise God. Um, I've said this before, and, and I just want to keep saying it. Like, we're not trying to build a mega church. We're trying to build a mighty church. And so whatever size church we are, we're so satisfied with that. Um, but we actually are tangibly out of space. Uh, first and second services are both filling up. It's hard to find parking. And we are so grateful for Legacy Church for leasing us this space. But we really feel like God is saying that we need to make room. Uh, for a harvest, for lost people to come to know Christ. And so we're going to be taking another portion of the money that's given today and saving it for a bigger space so that we can reach more people with the gospel. So those are the three things that we're doing. Um, and what I want to do right now is I want you to meet Dave and Saz, and then I'll give you some instructions for how we're going to take this, this offering up. Hey, Way Church! Hello, Guys, everyone. it is so good to be joining you. We are Dave and Saz, and we are planting Courageous Church yeah, here in Charleston in early 2024. And your wonderful pastors are our ARC coaches. We love them. Thank you so much for lending them to us. And Noah and Maddie very generously told us that Way Church is going to be praying for us and some of the other mm. Way Church 
friends and family who are doing ministry in this season and we wanted to let you know a few things you can be praying for us. Firstly, we are building our launch team. Now we have an incredible team so far, but we know that God's got a few more people to come, come and join on. us. So if you could pray that people get that sense of urgency and excitement come to on. serve people the gospel. The second thing we're doing is we're looking for a venue. We know Sunday mornings, people's lives are going to be changed by Jesus, much like is what's happening in your church. But we would love to find the perfect space for that here in Charleston. Absolutely. Two more things. Things. We are currently still fundraising, pulling together all the resources that we need. And God is moving in amazing ways. But if you can pray that God would lead people to partner with us in this season, that would be fantastic. And finally, if you could pray for our four wonderful kids, <laughs> Eden, Adelaide, Benaya and Taya, as they plant the church with us. They're doing incredible, having moved nation just over a year ago. They're very excited. But if you can pray for them, that they would be an influence in their community and their mm -hmm. schools, um, but also that God would bring in families with children that they could do life with they could grow in their faith with as well that'd be incredible thank you so much yep. we know that god hears every single prayer and our prayer for you is that god would do more than you could ask or imagine come on in your location and in your church as much as he wants to in ours absolutely we'll come over to tennessee one day and meet you guys in person we love you thank you they're amazing if you can't tell uh they're very, very excited. We love them so much. And um, I think it's going to be so cool. I just can't wait to have them on FaceTime up on the screen. And um, it's going to be powerful. In just a second, what we're going to do is um, we're going to give you an opportunity to give in the Only God Offering you should have received an envelope that says only God on it. If you didn't, you can just raise your hand and Usher will bring you one right now. Um, but this envelope uh, is where you can put a check or cash. Uh, we also have a QR code that's gonna be on the screen if you wanna give online. Um, if you do give online, I just want you to be aware that there's actually two options to give online. There's to give to the general fund, which is where people give their tithes every single week. Uh, but the other option is to give in the only God offering. And so if this is not your tithe, if this is something above your tithe, then you can uh, just select only God offerings and we'll designate it for the three causes that we talked about today. A um, couple other just logistical things. Uh, we want everyone to participate in coming up to the front. It does not mean that you have that everyone has to give. If you don't feel led to give, please do not give. Um, but we want everyone to participate in this way. Uh, the, we have this box up here. If you have a gift, you can just come up to the front when the ushers dismiss your row. You can put the gift in the box or you can uh, give online. And then we have these little cards over here. Uh, my wife, Maddie, is gonna be standing next to the table. It's this little card on one side, it says only God. And then the other side, it's just a blank. And from week one, of our Only God series, we've been praying and believing that God would do miracles in our lives. If you have a need, we want your need to be written on this card. And we have this little block that it can sit in. And we want you to take this card back to your house, put it somewhere you're gonna see regularly, whether that's your office or in your bedroom or your kitchen. And every time you see that card, we're just gonna encourage you to pray with faith for your need. We also would love for you to write your need on that envelope. There's a line on the back of that envelope. If you'll write your need there and put it into this box, whether there's money in your envelope or not, our team here at Way Church wants to pray for your need as well. And what we're believing is that as God answers these only God prayers, we're gonna ask you to bring that little square back 
so that we can celebrate with you. And we're just believing we're going to have a stack of those squares that we're going to be able to thank God. Just like 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, we're going to give thanksgiving to the Lord for doing what only he can do. And so uh, the ushers in just a second are going to dismiss uh, row by row to come up to the front and then would encourage you to just stay in the room. The worship team is going to lead worship as everyone gives. They're going to start in the back left corner. You can just come up, make a little loop, and then they'll go to the next row. Uh, the rest of us, we're just going to worship, and then we're going to come back together and pray over the offering at the end. Amen? Come on, can we just give him the glory he deserves this morning? I want to take just a second to pray over the offering that we just did. Will you just, if you feel comfortable, will you just stretch out your hands right now towards this, uh, this treasure chest? Uh, God, right now we pray that every single dollar that was given today in both services would be used for your kingdom in a way that multiplies, in a way that leads people to you, God, in a way that our, that this harvest, uh, that, that it could only be attributed to a move of God, what happens this, with this money, God, that, it, that people would see what happens with this money and they would say, only God. Lord, we pray for Dave and Saz's uh, couple, uh, their kids, God, the four kids that they have. God, we pray for them right now. We can't imagine what it would be like to move at that age across the country. But God, we pray that you would surround their kids with, with the right friendships, the right relationships. We pray that you would guard their hearts. We thank you for their kids' obedience in this. We pray that you would use them. God, that, that this, uh, this season of their life, maybe they're struggling with the move, maybe they're struggling struggling with all the new, but God, we, we just pray that you would turn it all around for their good, Lord, that you would bless their obedience. You would bless uh, their willingness to go with their parents, God. You would just pour out your spirit on their kids. We pray that you would anoint David Saz and courageous church, God. We pray that when, uh, whenever they have conversations with people, God, whenever they start their gatherings in February, that every ounce of glory that comes from courageous church would be reflected back to you, God, that we would see things that only you could get the credit for in Charleston, South Carolina, that thousands of people would come to know you through this church. God, we're so grateful we get to be a part of what you're doing in Charleston, and we thank you for the opportunity. God, we pray for the needs that we're going to meet through this offering that are represented in this room. We thank you that you're a God who sees us even when we don't think that you're paying attention, God. We're thankful that you're a God who cares, that you're a God who provides. You're a God who, who is constantly, constantly pouring out your love onto your children. So God, we thank you for the opportunity to serve in that way. We thank you for the blessing that is this community, this local church. God, we're believing that the right space and the right time will open up itself, that it'll be a space where people who are without hope find hope. People who need freedom will find freedom. God, where we'll be able to meet physical needs so that ultimately you can meet the spiritual needs of your people here in Nashville. God, we're believing that the best is yet to come, that you're actually just getting started in our city, and we are so grateful and so thankful for the way that you're pouring out your spirit here in Nashville, Tennessee. We love you, we're expectant, and we praise you for every single thing that is happening here today. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God? Can we praise God one more time?